Welcome to Faith of Our Fathers. This week we feature Percy Crawford and his weekly television broadcast, Youth on the March. Percy's first experience in radio to reach lost souls came in 1925 when he was a student at Biola, the Bible Institute of Los Angeles. Biola had an extremely powerful radio station, KTBL, perhaps the first all-religious radio station in the world. Percy got up to the microphone and preached to a large audience. He understood the power of radio to get his message across to those who needed Jesus in their lives. Today's sermons, with a little help from his family, are taken from Youth on the March television broadcasts. The man was dying. He'd lived his life. He amassed up a great fortune and he was dying. And his loved ones gathered around his deathbed and uh, he said, I'm a failure. I've wasted my life. Oh, they said, you haven't, you haven't. You've accomplished great things. You've done a lot of good. You've amassed a fortune. You're head of corporations. <laughs> he said it was easy as he was dying. Huh? I've wasted my life. I've done nothing for the Son of God. And with that in mind, as I was thinking of that today, I turned to Matthew, the 6th chapter, the 33rd verse. And I read where Jesus said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's what I want to talk to you about, just for a few moments. Uh, every person should have heaven as his goal. Every person should think of that day, the ultimate, that which is sure to come, which is death. It's coming to you, it's coming to me. And the thing of importance in your life and my life is, do we know where we're going? Are we headed for heaven? That's the important thing. You know, there were two friends of mine who used to come to Pinebrook, our summer camp conference ground in the Pocono Mountains, and one of them died. And to make the arrangements for the funeral, I called them up uh, in a day or two, and uh, I, when the phone answered, they answered the phone, I, I said, is Mrs. So-and-so there? It was the wrong name. And the answer came back on the telephone, no, she's not here, she's dead. I've made a mistake. But you know, sometime they're going to call you up and they're going to call me up and somebody's going to answer, no, no, he's, he's not here, he's dead. They're going to answer for you, no, no, she's not here, she's dead. Where are you going to go? That's the important thing. And Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God, seek. Seek ye first. Why the people there were all wondering where they would get their garments and where they would get their clothes and about their food and about their lodging. And that's important. It's important to have money and live. But Jesus said, with all of that, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. And I believe when God brings to pressure upon you and makes you conscious of the fact that down in your own very soul, your life is sin-stained and black and deserving of hell, when you realize that you're sinking and that you're lost in the pool of despair, then you'll seek God. Then you'll seek to reach out and want salvation through the Son of God. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. This week I read in the newspaper that in Oakland, California, a pigeon was flying along and hit a high-tension wire and cut off all the electricity of the greater part of the city. A pigeon just caused a short circuit, and everything became dark. And in the lives of many of you throughout this past year, as you've been thinking about yourself and your life and been taking inventory, you realize that into your life has come the stain of sin that has blackened and marred and spoiled your life. As the prophet of old cried, Thou God seest me. 
And tonight as God looks down into your heart, he beholds a cesspool of sin. Oh, I know on the outside you may look all right. Your neighbors may say you're all right. But into your life as into my life has come the stain of sin and blackened and marred and stained it. And that's why Jesus says to you, these are his words, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I'm glad to tell you in spite of yourself, in spite of your sin, there's a righteousness and a cleanness that God will give to you regardless if you're the deepest and blackest and worst sinner in all of these great United States. That God can cover you. Blot out all that sin, black and stained as it is, give you righteousness. That 1,900 years ago, broken and bruised and battered, Jesus made his way up the hill, Calvary, and there on the cross he died for you. Not that person beside you, for you. But you've got to seek him. You've got to prepare to meet your God. You've got to receive him. You've got to accept him. You've got to make that decision in your heart whereby you appropriate what God has done for you. You've got to receive all of that righteousness. And he says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then you say, nothing in my hand I bring simply to thy cross I cling. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. He called those things, things. And they're important. But my friend, there's something more important than that, and that is the saving of your soul that you might go to heaven and not to hell. All these things. He said, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. And I'm glad to tell you if you'll put God first in your life this year, God will bring into your life the things that you need. A while back when I was in California, I was with a glee club from a certain school there. And we had our service, and I received a phone call. A, a man that knew me years ago when I was a newspaper boy delivering newspapers to his home. He was dying, and his wife said, will you come and see him? She heard I was going into the ministry. And some of us fellas jumped in a car and went over to Pasadena and went into his home, and he was dying. And I took my testament out and started reading the 23rd Psalm. He said, no, get, get the book. She said, I know what he wants. She went and got his Bible, big Bible. And I read the 23rd Psalm and I read uh, uh, portions of John. And, and then I talked to him about his soul and about seeking first the kingdom of God. And finally, he put his trust in Jesus, took my hand. We bowed our heads and prayed and he prayed, called on God to save him for Jesus' sake. I went my way. The next day I called up and I said, how is he? That's why she said he died. But she said he left a message for his boy. I knew his boy. He wasn't a good fellow. He was in the penitentiary on different occasions. And she said he left a message for his boy, Fred. And with this, tell Fred not to waste his life like I did. Tell Fred not to waste his life like I did. He had, he had spent his life in vain. At the tail end, he called on God. And tonight, God wants you right where you are this, at this very moment to seek first the kingdom of God for you don't know what 1950 has in store for you. Who knows but what the atomic bombs may come and start bursting this year. Who knows but what within a week or two or five weeks or a year uh, death may knock at your door. You don't know. You say you're scaring me. No, I'm not. I'm talking to you about real things. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And I'm glad I did that. I'm glad that last night in the meeting where I was, my eight-year-old boy gave his heart to Jesus through his tears. Yes, sir. This thing's real in our lives. And that's why I come to you as your friend to ask you, will you receive him and accept him and claim him right now as your own? I hope you will. May we bow our heads in a word of prayer as the fellows sing and Christians pray.
because our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I've been talking right from my heart to your heart. There you are looking in on us tonight. You know these things I've been talking about are real. You know that you're not ready to die. And Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And I wonder how many of you right there now, right by your television set now, will bow your head and say, Lord Jesus, I want you to come into my heart tonight. Put the date down. Write me to Box 1, Philadelphia. I'd love to hear of it. We'll send you a gospel of dawn and help you in this decision. Our Father, bless these. May there be a great many tonight throughout this nation, needy souls, sin-sick souls, turn to the Son of God. Seek Him first, putting God first in their lives. We pray in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. We now continue with the second sermon. You know, I heard of a preacher a while back who was preaching Sunday after Sunday to his congregation on the gospel. Why, every Sunday he'd preach the gospel, morning and night, and he'd preach it and preach it. And one day one of the deacons came to him and said, See here, parson, why don't you give us a change of diet? Oh, here's the gospel. Why don't you preach on something else? Okay, he said, what'll I preach on? And one man, uh, one of his deacons spoke up and said, Well, why don't you preach on pills? He said, Pills? What did I? All right, I'll preach on pills next Sunday. It got circulated around town. He was going to talk on pills, and the church was filled. And he stood up, and he said, Ladies and gentlemen, there are all kinds of pills. There are blue pills, there are black pills, there are pink pills, there are red pills, there are white pills, but he said, the pill I like best of all is the gospel. Go ahead and preach on it, yeah. Well, that's what we feel. You know, when you get the gospel, when it gets in your system, it does something for you physically and spiritually. It really helps you. That's what I want to talk to you about. And I've chosen for a little time. Will you wait just a moment there now while I talk to you? Uh, one verse over in James, the fourth chapter, the 14th verse, where he says, God says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even as a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. What is your life? It is even as a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. That's an important thing to know what your life is. What is your life? What is your life? What is your life? That's the question tonight. Oh, it's nice to think about other people. In my house, some of you fellas sit outside the church and you gripe and you holler and you kick about the hypocrites and everybody else. Anybody can do that. It's not a question of that. It's what is your life? What is it? What is your life? That's the important thing. And God warns us and says it's even as a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. You know, I was called upon a while back to officiate at my first funeral. I spent three years in a theological seminary, but they never told me how to conduct a funeral service. I was asked to officiate, and I had never been to a funeral in normal life. Even, even one of my relatives, I never went to one. I didn't like the sound of funerals, a little bit too dead for me. And never once did I go to one, till I was asked to officiate. And so I took my testament, put on my hat, jumped in my car, drove on to the funeral, came to the home where the funeral was to start from, went in and there by the casket sat the wife of the deceased by her husband. She was mourning, and as, that was natural. And I read to her from the Bible portions of the scripture that I want you to read to me when I'm in the place of bereavement. And then I asked her two questions. Do you think I asked her uh, how much money her husband had when he died? Do you think I asked what church he belonged to? What denomination? I didn't ask that. I asked two questions. Did he know where he was going? Were his sins washed away? My friend, here's one preacher that's not selling out for you. Here's one preacher that's not saying a lot of flowery words over your dead corpse if you trampled underfoot the Son of God and went to hell. You don't get me for your paltry $10 to say a lot of flowery stuff over your dead corpse. If you trampled underfoot the Son of God and you don't know where you're going, don't call on me to bury you. No, sir. God says, what is your life? 
It is even as a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. What is your life so far as happiness is concerned? Do you have real joy down in your soul tonight? Do you really know that you're happy and know that you're headed for heaven? That's the thing. When I was taking my graduate work at the university, I used to eat in a little place here in Philadelphia where they'd serve like lunches, and I used to go in at noon and get a sandwich and a milkshake or something. And I was in there this day, and a lot of the graduate students came in talking out loud. I wasn't eavesdropping. They sat next to me in the booth next to me talking out loud, and one fellow said, Say, where'd you go last night? He said, I went to show. Where'd you go after that? He said, I went to uh, dance. He said, where'd you go after that? I didn't know the night was so long. He said, uh, I went up to the apartment and drank way on into the morning, and there was a silence. Nobody said a word. And finally, the same voice, same fellow, spoke up and said, you know, I'm sort of getting tired of this kind of life. And I said to myself, boy, you sure are. That's typical of men and women today throughout our nation seeking and searching for happiness and can't find it. And God says there's no peace, saith my God to the wicked. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. And I'm here to tell you of a peace, my friend, that you can't buy with all the money in the world but you can have it freely when you come to him. What is your life regard to sin? What are the things that have blackened and marred and stained your life throughout all of these years? What is your life? What is it? Is it checkered and blackened and marred and stained? It is. You know, a man sat in a chair once and his son took a little silken thread and wound it all around him and he'd break the thread and laugh and, and he kept winding it around, he'd break it and laugh and he'd wind it around him and gradually dozed off and went to sleep and the son kept winding the silken thread around and around and around, and he woke up and tried to snap and found he couldn't. It had bound itself around him, and he was tightly held. That's what sin does. Sin binds you. There's many of you men and women tonight, many of you right this night looking into my face. Your life is bound and checkered and throttled by sin. And I'm glad to tell you I've got the sweetest news this side of heaven. I don't care who your life uh, what your life is or who you are, how deep down the ladder of sin you are. 1,900 years ago, broken and bruised and battered, Jesus made his way up the hill Calvary there on the cross. He died for you, that you might live, that he might break the shackles. What is your life so far as time's concerned? How long are you going to live? <laughs> you say, I'm young, I'll live. How do you know you'll be alive tomorrow? You don't know. I said that a while back, and a 19-year-old girl was dead the next day. How do you know? How do I? Well, I don't know. You don't. Where are you going to go? When the curtain drops on your light, where are you headed? You say, oh, I, if I do go to hell, I'll have lots of company, but you won't enjoy it. My friend, you don't know how soon you'll be cut off. Old Washington's scared to death about these atomic bombs now, and believe me, it's coming. Don't you let anybody kid you. We're in for trouble. But bless God, if they do come, when you have the Son of God and know where you're bound, you've got the greatest thing in all the world. We have nothing to sell you. We're not sponsored by anybody. We're put on here by men and women of God who want the message out far and wide, that have tasted of this fountain and found Jesus real. That's why we want you to have him. There by your television set now, you can receive him. A man in Baltimore said to me the other day, as he shook my hand, he said, Thank you, sir. Thank you for pointing my boy to the Son of God. He's, he said, He's not here now. He's gone, but... You were the instrumental one in pointing him to Jesus. Thank you. And he choked up. Ah, yes. That's what we're living for. And that's what we want you to do right there now by your television set. Will you do it? I hope you will. May we bow our heads in a word of prayer.
heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I wonder how many of you there tonight throughout the nation, how many of you will bow your head there by your television set and say, Mr. Crawford, what is my life? I'm glad you don't know it. But I'm taking the Son of God as my means of forgiveness and cleansing for me. Bow your head right there now. Say that to him. Write me to Box 1, Philadelphia. I'd love to hear of it. Our Father, bless thee. May there be a great host tonight, far and wide, settle this thing. Start for heaven. Claim the Son of God and know the joy of being forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen. And now, our four sons, Don, Dick, Dan, and Dean, and their mother playing for them. Boys, go ahead. When he calls me, I will answer. When he calls me, I will answer. When he calls me, I will answer. I'll be somewhere listening for my name. Oh, I'll be somewhere listening. I'll be somewhere listening. I'll be somewhere listening for my name. Will you be ready, Donnie? Yes, sir. And Dickie? Sure will. Dan? I certainly will. Jeannie? Yes, sir. You look so happy about it. <laughs> you know, we're so glad that you folks could take this imaginary uh, voyage with us tonight. And uh, will you just wait there a moment while I talk to you from a very important passage in the Word of God that will help us along life's way. The voyage of on this sea of light. Over in Matthew, the 14th chapter, the 30th verse, I read, But when Jesus, when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? A very important passage of scripture, for Jesus had sent his disciples away, and they were out on the sea in a boat. And the sea became boisterous and rough, and uh, Jesus came walking, performing one of his miracles on the sea. You know the story. And as he was walking on the sea, Peter saw him, and he said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come to thee on the water. And good old boisterous Peter climbed over the side of the ship and started off toward Jesus. And it says, when he saw the wind, that it was a, a great wind, he became afraid, and he began to sink. And you know, this week I was reading that passage of Scripture, and I was thinking of our little uh, trip that we were going to take tonight, and uh, I thought of the many people that were out on the sea of life, going along aimlessly without a chart, without a compass, not knowing what life was all about, where they were bound, not a thing about it. 
And how many of us are just like this man in the calamity, the same calamity that he was in? And uh, when he was coming toward Jesus, coming toward the incentive that would give him life eternal, he saw the things around him, he saw the wind, and he saw the sea, and he saw it boisterous, and he became afraid, and he began to sink. And I was thinking of the many people tonight that are sinking in the pool of despair, lost and without hope and without God. Wandering around without a compass, no hope. This morning I spoke to the men at the Eastern Penitentiary here in Philadelphia. And uh, I'll tell you, it just wrenches your heart to see the men there without hope and without God. Men whose lives around us were murderers of all types, whose lives have been blackened and marred and stained with sin, just like a lot of you tonight. Oh, I know you aren't behind bars, but into your life has come the stain of sin, and you're sinking tonight. You're far from God. The blotch and stain of sin is there. As a man wrote me, he said, I'm a washout. I'm a washout. What did he mean? He meant that his sins were black before a holy God, and he knew that he was sinking in the pool of despair and lost. That was his calamity. And I wonder tonight, what's yours? What are the things that have blackened and marred your life till you're sinking tonight? You know you are without hope and without God. And then he called. And he said, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Who else should he call to? Nobody else can help you when you start to sink. Lord, save me. That brought salvation to this man. The Lord Jesus took care of him. Lord, save And God wants you to call. Brian Bartimaeus, as he was by the roadside, Jesus said to him, What wouldst thou that I do for thee? He knew what he needed. He said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And it's only when you're sinking in the pool of despair that God does anything for you. That's the time. My brother was drowning. He was out in the ocean. We were all on the shore. I was but a little tot. And uh, he, he went down once and held his breath, did all he could to, to, to protect himself. And went down the second time. And the third time, everything he said started to get black. And then he called out, Dad, save me, Dad. My dad was on the shore and he rushed out with his clothes on, lost his pocketbook, swam out and saved his boy. Yeah, he saved his boy cost him his pocketbook, but he saved his boy. And my friend, it's only when, he said to me, when only when I became desperate and knew that I couldn't save myself did I call out. That's when he called. And God will only save you when you call out and reach the place where you're desperate and know that nothing else in all the world can save you. And it says, he called and the Lord saved him. And then I noticed something else, the climax. It says, immediately, he stretched forth his hand and caught him. Immediately, he stretched forth his hand and caught him. And oh, how uh, we thank God that on these telecasts, Sunday nights, that we can bring to you a Savior. One, even though your life has been blackened and marred and stained with sin, even though you wouldn't let your friend next to you know about it tonight. We've got good news. That 1,900 years ago, broken and bruised and battered, Jesus made his way up the hill Calvary, and there on the cross he died for you, for you a sinner. And that's why he caused you to listen in and look in tonight on this telecast, that you might reach the place where you trust him. Oh, uh, you know... A young fellow up in Canada stood up in a meeting and he said, I'm John Harper's last convert. And he told the story. The Titanic, that great ship, was going forth with thousands of people on board, over 3,000 people on board. It was the safest ship. They called it the Titanic, the Invincible. It went forth and you know the story, how it struck an iceberg and it sank. And this man was on it. And... Uh, he was out in the icy water, and uh, there some 1,500 people lost their lives. And he said, I was in the icy waters, and a, a man by the name of John Harper from Scotland was washed up alongside me, holding on to a piece of wood. And he said to me, are you saved? Are you saved? And he said, no, I'm not. And a wave took him away again, and he was gone. And in a, a few minutes back again, he came alongside him. He said to him, are you saved yet? Are you saved? 
And he said, there, with two miles of water underneath me, I believed on the Son of God amongst the sea, the dreadful sea and death. And he said, I'm John Harper's last convert. He was drowned. The man who said, are you saved? But he said, me to the Son of God and my soul was saved. My friend, the Lord Jesus is knocking at your heart's door tonight out on the sea of life. You've been tossed around and he wants to save you. Will you let him do it? Will you receive him tonight? He'll reach out and catch you if you'll let him do it. I hope you will. May we bow our heads in a word of prayer. As our heads are bowed and eyes are all closed, you've been looking on in on us tonight and we're so glad to have had you. But we'd like to take you on board. We'd like you to start for heaven tonight. And I wonder how many of you, right there now by your television set, you know what I've been talking about is true. You're without hope. You have no pilot. You're lost. If you die tonight, you wouldn't go to heaven. You hope you would, but you don't know. Why not right there by your television set, say, God helping me. He's going to become my pilot tonight, and I'll receive him as my savior now. Will you do that and invite him on board? I hope you will. Our Father, bless these. May there be a great many tonight throughout the nation. Let the Savior in. Let him become their pilot and start for heaven. We pray in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. You've been listening to Percy Crawford, and Youth on the March. Listen to Faith of Our Fathers each Saturday and Sunday to hear more great 20th century preachers.